So this is a B2B marketing podcast and B2B marketers love making up buzzwords and acronyms to overcomplicate things. And we're actually going to talk about one of those things today on DGU, PLG, product-led growth, what it means, what it means to us at Metadata. And we'll give you a little behind the scenes look at something that we're rolling out right as we publish this episode. Demand Gen U is officially in session. Let's do it. So Jason, this is one of those, the show must go on episodes. We knew that we wanted to record this episode. You've got a lot going on. I've got a lot going on. And in the spirit of being transparent, we threw this outline together in the 15 minutes before we recorded. Yep. And uh, if you can't see, my hair is still wet. (laughs) It's 7 a.m. Pacific time and we're doing it. Yeah, it's one of those things. I was just on another podcast this week and they were asking about DGU and just how it's been going since we launched it. And I think one of the big things that I had mentioned was consistency. And it's so easy to make excuses around, we're too busy this week. We don't have enough time. Let's skip an episode. And that's not what we want to do. Sometimes we're more prepared than others. But I think for us, we really want to be consistent and make sure that we don't come up with excuses around not publishing a weekly episode. So kind of like going to the gym in a lot of ways but i don't know it is no i mean it's really because of you because you i mean you made sure i understood how important this was and now it just is like okay we prioritize it kind of like you said going to the gym if you don't prioritize it you know you're not going to do it and so yeah so that's why we were like yep i'll do this at 7 a.m because that was the time we had and you're for you're going on vacation tomorrow which is awesome jealous and so yeah we couldn't do it tomorrow and then if we didn't do it Today, we'd be behind. And so, yeah, no, it's good. Yep. So I think it's important because, yeah, and actually this episode is going to be, it's going to be great. It's going to be great because we've got like some good things to talk about. So even though we threw it together in 15 minutes, it's going to be great. Well, we threw the episode outlined together in 15 minutes because of the project that we're actually going to talk about on the episode. So it's all kind of related together. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's been top of mind for us for a while now because we've been working on this thing for about three months. So, so let's get into PLG. I hate acronyms. I hate buzzwords probably more than anyone, but what is PLG to you and what does it mean? Yeah. So product-led growth. I'm trying to think when I first even heard that acronym or that phrase, probably been just a couple of years. I don't know, but it made a lot of sense to me. It was like, oh, okay. Uh, And we've been, people have been doing free trials and that kind of thing for a long time, but I don't think I heard actually that term, but it made a lot of sense because it was like, well, yeah, wouldn't you love to try something before you buy it or have some experience with it or And that really is related to letting the product itself feed the growth of the company or feed the growth of sales or whatever you want to call it. And I was always jealous a little bit that could do that or that we're doing that because it was like, I know for myself as a way to buy, it's like, I love that approach as a way to buy because like I said, you get to try it before you actually commit anything. And just some tools, it's hard to do, but yeah, I mean... Example I like too. So I thought you talk about examples. So um, I went to a B2C example. And the one that first came to me was like these food meal prep services. And so I've used HelloFresh. We're just using Blue Apron right now, trying that out. And all I of them like... I did not think this is where the episode was going to go, but I'm here for it. So let's keep going. <laughs> well, I thought about it because I was like, all of them give you like, like two weeks of meals for free. You know what I mean? So you, they just give you like any of them, any of them, like they'll start you with like six meals or something like that that you're feeding your whole family for free. 
And once you get into it and it's like, okay, I didn't know what this is going to be like. I don't know if I'm going to like it. Don't have to commit anything. You get started for free. And then you start to like, oh, okay, this is cool. And that was, and then you just kind of come on to buying it and you move forward there. And so that was like, I don't know, one of the ones I thought, but yeah, that's, I guess, in the, you know, my thoughts. Yeah. So I think for me, and I intentionally going to try and come up with my own definition that's not really regurgitating other stuff that I've read, because I think a big disclaimer is neither of us have done anything PLG related in our careers prior to what we're doing here and what we'll talk about in this episode. So we are very much building in public, learning as we go, and it is a little daunting. But for me, PLG is simply getting people hooked on your product and getting them to talk about how hooked they are on your product publicly and rave about it to their friends, their coworkers, whoever it may be, and then getting them so hooked that when you start to show them other paid features that they can buy, it's a no-brainer for them at that point. And I think it's a little easier for me to think of PLG when the price per seat or the ACV is very low. And a lot of the examples that I feel the strongest about being Loom or Figma, there's case studies everywhere about how they wrote the billion-dollar PLG playbook. It's easier for that because it's a cheaper product. But for us and what we do at Metadata, it's not cheap. We're one of the most expensive pieces of marketing technology in most demand gen marketers stack. So it's new to us because we don't even know if this is going to work. It makes sense in theory. We love it. We're all in on it. And we'll talk more about why. But I think for me, it's just trying to get people hooked on your product and get them to talk about it and have them market it for you. Yeah. And the one, one of the things that I really like about it is one, you know, one of our, I'm going to, I'm going to struggle for words this morning, y'all. I'll just be honest. But one of the downfalls, I guess, of B2B is you don't have a lot of volume to be able to hold like, on. <laughs> hold on. Why, why were you not confident that was the wrong word? Oh, no, not the right it. word. Yeah, that was fine. Yeah. Um, fall, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah no, I guess I, that was perfect. <laughs> and it took me 10 seconds to get to it. Maybe that would. Oh, okay. Maybe but, that's what it was. <laughs> one, of the, one of the downfalls is that you just don't have a lot of volume to play with. And like when you're doing advertising and we're trying to do some scientific, you know, performance marketing and like really understand, well, what's driving revenue? When you only have 30 deals close in a quarter or a month or whatever, that's not a lot of volume to be like, oh, okay, I can confidently say these campaigns are what drove those 30, you know, it's just not enough volume. And so one of the things I love about the promise of PLG is the volume. So like you can actually start to jam like volumes of people in and then you can really start to see what's working and what's not maybe faster. I don't know. We're going to, we'll figure this out, but. That's one of the things I'm actually really looking forward to, too. And one of the things I was like, man, I want to do PLG because you get to get around that traditional B2B, low volume, not a lot of data to be able to make decisions on the problem. Yeah. And I think the companies that do this really well, and I'm just going off of my own experience on the receiving end of using PLG products. One, you're not talking to a human for the most part to help understand how you're using the product. And two, because of that, they have to do a really good job of showing you the important parts of the products that you want to use or need to use based on how you're interacting with it. And then two, make it stupid simple when you log into the product 
to see different parts, to surface insights, to find things that you might not be aware of. Like I just posted on LinkedIn yesterday about this, about something that we're doing in our own product, but really it came from what Loom does in their product. It shows you how many videos that you've recorded. It equates that to the amount of time that you've saved from meetings. You've got that much more time back in your day. And then it shows you because of this, you can then do X, Y, Z. So it's really signups, I think, are the easy part of the PLG equation. It's getting people to know how to get value out of the product using those really timely moments. Yeah. Yeah. And we probably won't get too much into this, but there's all kinds of kind of PLG motions. So you can go anywhere from you just have a low per seat or per month thing, no free trial. You can start with a free trial. You can have a freemium model that's like really low featured, but then you use that to show. So there's a lot of different ways. And I don't think we'll probably get into all those, but there's not one flavor of PLG, I guess, is what I wanted to get across. There's all different ways. Of doing it. And this is what happened to me with Built With. One of the things I was also, also think about is, can you get to a price point where, can you figure out the psychology of the price where it's kind of like, yeah, that's low enough where I'll let it go. You know what I mean? And even if I'm not quite using it all the time, it's enough where I can, you know, if I want to use it, I go back where it's like too high, then you know what I mean? You get that. Well, no, it's too high. And so I, it, the psychology of the pricing stuff interests me too. And whenever we can do something new in B2B marketing, like that's always a big attraction for me. And so learning something, we're going to learn a lot of new things when we do our, our PLG motion. Yep. And I think for me, I've been learning all this stuff on the fly, mostly by way of reading anything Kyle Poyer puts out at OpenView and then what others have to say about PLG. So it's been fun. So before we get into the PLG project at Metadata, let's first talk about Gil and his vision for PLG because I think it's a very compelling vision and something that excites me. Yeah, and so I don't remember when he when I first realized he was on this PLG bandwagon, <laughs> bandwagon. I don't remember, but at least over the last nine months, six to nine months, I would say, and then even more so recently, he's gotten to this point where he's like, hey, it actually, it was mostly during the downturn. So this latest downturn is when it really started to get a little bit more vocal from him. He's like, you know, I just really want to be able to PLG. And he just uses it as a verb, I guess. <laughs> I just want to be able to PLG every single one of our products. And for those of you who have been listening to us, we're building a marketing operating system. So we're going to have, and we have right now, like three different products and we're going to have more. So he's like, yeah, I want to be able to PLG every single one of these. And so, yeah, I don't think a lot of CEOs, I don't think a lot of marketers get that luxury that the CEO is actually the one championing it. And so anytime a CEO is championing something, it's going to get a lot of priority and you're going to be able to like make a lot of moves. And so just the fact, and that happens a lot with Gil, honestly, like he champions things that we really want to do, which is kind of nice, things that are different. And so, yeah, so he was, he's all about it. And he's like put a challenge to us, just you know, the leadership team and the teams to how fast can we do this? How quickly can we test something out? And so, yeah, so we've gotten a lot of put, like positive push from him to let's make this happen. It's been nice. When he first mentioned it, I think it was during a, an all hands meeting of his vision. I was surprised straight up that he was even thinking that way. I was thinking, this is awesome. I had no idea that this is what his vision was for metadata and the marketing OS. And it was one of those things where I was really jacked up when he mentioned it. I had no idea how the hell we were going to do this, but that's part of the fun part of working here. Yeah. And a big reason why we didn't do it for the longest time is because 
we really focused a lot of our engineering resources on the back end part of the application of making the decision, doing the math, making the changes in the ad channels, et cetera. And so the front end UI and our ability to onboard people without support was pretty low. Like people really needed to get on a call with a support person, walk them through the onboarding, walk them through different functions, because you can hang yourself in the platform if you don't really know what you're doing. And so it needed a lot of manual handholding. And so that for the longest time was just the biggest blocker for us to be able to do this is you're doing a PLG motion and it's low cost, you've got to cut the cost out of the delivery. And oftentimes people costs are the highest cost in delivery. And so we also just had just general product blockers in until this last year. And we actually fixed those because we saw a lot of our customers were just using our services and not doing the work themselves. And so we actually made the decision to make it easier to use based on that. When we were thinking like, wow, we're having some churned customers. The churning customers were the ones that were just using services and not actually logged into the platform and using it. And so it was kind of like this other issue that we solved kind of paved the path to us being able to offer a PLG motion. And so that was just another kind of serendipitous. Wow, the words are coming to me. Yeah, let's do this. (laughs) Another serendipitous moment that was just like things coming together at the right time to let us do something new. So I think... That was very, let's say, inward focused and thinking about what we knew about our own product and our own customers. But I think some of the stuff that was going in the outside world also accelerated this. So because of our price point, we realized that we're, Gil likes to use this example, we're priced like the outreach of MarTech. Outreach is expensive too. We had a target on our backs as budgets were being cut and we needed to Figure out a way to work around that. Yeah, 100%. And the full part of our platform is currently so tied to ad spend that as, you know, us marketers had our budgets cut and we're like, we usually first go to programs before we're laying people off. And so a lot of people's budgets got cut. And if you have a platform that's so aligned with ad spend, then as that goes down, guess what? The spend on your platform is also going to go down. And so... Yeah, we started to see that with our full platform customers, which kind of expediated the need for us to do something a little different. And it's not unlike when we first even offered MetaMatch right during COVID, when we realized we actually need something else to offer our customers that's maybe at a lower price point. And we did that, was it 2020 or 2021? I can't even remember how long we've had MetaMatch, but we made that change. That was also another change based out of what we were seeing in the market and with our customers. Do you remember? <laughs> no, that was, I feel like I'm usually good with metadata history. Like, I honestly don't remember the timing of that. Yeah, I don't either. But, but that idea originated out of marketing, honestly, when I was talking to customers and we were like, they're, I, we could tell that every customer got value from this part of the platform, like every single one. And no ad spend went through just the targeting part of the platform. And so it was like, oh, okay, my, this might be something that we could offer where people's budgets are getting, that's still a viable product for them because we can offer it at a lower cost and that percent of their ad budget or whatever comes way down. But we still only offered it as an annual product. It still came with a pretty hefty price tag. Like I think we were retailing it for 24,000. And that's, that's still like, a lot of money. Like n- not the, the price where you can sign up for it and then forget that you signed up for it and not remember yeah, or feel under the radar. Yeah, you're not yeah, like, it, yeah, yeah, yes, <laughs> under the yes. radar. Like, yeah. 
no, unless you have really big pockets, 24K is a lot of money for every B2B marketer out there. Yep. And didn't, we didn't promote it. We never marketed it. We hit it from the site. We put it as a technology, but we didn't really allude to the fact that you buy it because we were worried about cannibalizing the full product. But it was something that sales would offer people if they got on the phone and realized like, oh, okay, you're not quite like ready or fit for the full platform, mostly maybe because of your ad spend. But hey, what about this part? You're still running ads and wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could target better? And so and that's really how we've offered it for the last several years. And I think... If you go back to the early days of maybe not metadata, but you know, the metadata 2.0. So let's say post COVID, many B2B marketers would talk about metadata on LinkedIn, but they would talk specifically about the targeting and the targeting only. There's so much more that you can do in metadata, but they were always talking about the targeting. And when they talk about the targeting, that's really meta match. That's not metadata as a platform. It's one component of a much larger operating system that we have. Yeah. And my hypothesis was that it was that way because that it was, it's very easy to understand, but it's like an easy to understand part of the platform. It's easy to use. Honestly, it's fairly easy to use. It's fairly intuitive. And the first time you explain it to somebody, light bulbs go off because they're like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like when we talk about personal to corporate identity graph, blah, blah, blah. And people can really easily, quickly see how that targeting would work. And so that was my hypothesis is like, it was the easier one to understand, like the easier one to explain. And like most B2B marketers just like, ding, yep, I totally get it. So now that we've t- set kind of the stage for PLG and what we're thinking about PLG at Metadata, let's talk real specific around Gil had this idea, maybe rewind what to three months ago-ish. It's crazy. It's been a, it felt way longer than that, but let's start in late November-ish. <laughs> Yeah. So what happened? Did somebody say something at a leadership meeting? Gil was like, all right, go do it. And then asked the next day, what progress have you made? Like, how did this start? I was trying to remember it. And I honestly can't really remember the true genesis of this one. And I'm pretty sure it was in a one-on-one with Gil. Yeah, I honestly, I need to ask Gil actually how this came up. We might have totally different stories. I just remember Gil and I talking about it in a one-on-one. And me just saying, hey, let me go do some research and let me see, because there was a couple things that were predicated on we needed to rely on to be able to do this. And so I wanted to do a gut check, like, are there, can we do these few things? Some of them are pretty technical. Um, the biggest one was, can we onboard people without talking to somebody? That was really like one of the biggest ones that I wanted to make sure of. Can we use Pendo in a way and have a walkthrough and just that kind of stuff? And so I started by just doing research. Can, can I interrupt for one second? Yeah. Just because yeah. I think it helps. So the big thing is the show, the normal metadata show must go on as we are doing this on the side. So we're trying to not take resources away from the full platform, from web personalization. So you had to do research and just figure out like, what can we really do here without taking resources away from the higher priced products that we have? Yeah, yeah. And... I also, I was looking for something new to do too in our team or just, just to get us excited because Ian, we'd had a quarter of the recession and we we're starting to see all this stuff. And it's like, okay, let's shake, let's shake things up a little bit. What's something that we could do that actually might shake up the business a bit as well. And so that was what really got me intrigued and got me to, okay, yeah, let's do this. And we, we led it through marketing. And so that was also what was cool is um, 
it's a big cross-functional project. You know what I mean? You're bringing in a lot of different people. But yeah, that was really the genesis of just a couple of chats. And then I think like a week or two later, he's like, how long do you think it would take to do this? And I was like, oh, three months. How about three months? And it's okay, sounds good. And Hold so on. that was- When you said three uh, months, did was that just like a three months? I, no, I mean, a little bit. That's a little bit of my style, as you know, of course. But, but also I had to get a commitment from products. So like, hey, can you deliver this thing within that amount of time? And so I just went to the- areas that I thought would be the hardest. And I just met with each one individually. I was like, hey, so it was informed by the folks that would have to be doing the work as well. And so let's really talk about that a little bit. So the, the who were the teams that you had to to the leaders that you had to talk to? What how did those conversations go? How did you get them on board with this? Let's talk through that. Yeah. The good news was is I could just come to each team and say, hey guys, Gil wants to do this. And so it was like an opener like, hey y'all, Gil wants to do this. So let's chat about it. But it was really almost every team. I mean Engineering, of course, the product team, our CISO actually, our, he's our CISO came in to help build the e-commerce part of the platform. He's a pretty technical guy. Our RevOps guy, Sam, he had to help with all the Salesforce stuff because we wanted everything in Salesforce. Customer success had to be involved because we've got existing customers on MetaMatch and how we're going to handle them. Marketing, of course, because we had to do a new website, talk about campaigns, talk about how we're going to get people in, how we're going to manage them. So yeah, it was really... Is there a team that didn't, that wasn't involved? Like, I don't think so. I think almost, I think every team was involved. Yeah. And I think for marketing specifically, we had to figure out a way to be comfortable. And I'll speak for myself with doing a very big experiment like this and being okay with a B1 and knowing that how it looks, how prepared we are, how it functions, all of it. I forget who said it, but there was some tech CEO that said, if you're not embarrassed by your first V1, then, you know, you didn't try hard enough or you didn't move fast enough or something like that. And for me, it's just, it's not polished, but I had to learn to live with it. Yeah. (laughs) And that was the other challenge that Gil gave was like, how much do you think you could get this done for? What's the minimal amount you can get this done for where it works for the most part, but we're maybe a little bit embarrassed by it. And so that's, I think, probably one of the big successes about this is just for how low of a cost we were able to deliver this V1. But it is not, we could not, we can't live with this for very long. This is really just to prove out that there is demand there that actually convert people to paid. Like it's really just to see if this is a thing that's going to be a going concern. And then we'll, we're gonna, we're, we got a lot of tech debt. Let's just say we got a lot of tech debt. We're going to have to come back around and fix like a lot. So let's talk through this a little bit then. So you've got the internal buy-in from all of these different teams. You've got a V1 plan together. And where did you get started first? What was maybe the biggest thing that we needed to tackle? Yeah, the biggest thing were the product, there were changes inside the product. Uh, so we already have MetaMatch as a product, but to offer it in this way, we needed more controls over things like number of audiences built, the ability to actually remove audiences from somebody's ad channels when they stop, when they churn or when they, you know, when they stop paying, whatever you call it, stop doing a subscription. Uh, and then some, and then a couple of other controls inside the product just to show people, hey, you've used X percent of your total audiences and those kinds of things. And so that was probably the biggest, that plus the e-commerce platform, like those two things. Uh, I was going to say e-commerce, yeah, but that's only like because I was closer to that. Yeah, honestly, the e-commerce is probably the harder part, to be honest, and the more complicated part. 
Uh, and that we're just like, again, I think our, like when Ray first came to me, he's like, yeah, I think we could probably do this for like $45,000. I'm like, okay, how about five? <laughs> he said, cause I'm like, we can't overkill this thing on the first go around. And sure enough, I think all in spend right now, we're less than $10,000 to get this thing live. This isn't a shot at Ray. I doubt that he listens to demand on you, but Ray, if you're listening, this is not directed at you. I've heard two times recently where he's estimated something and it sounds like he hasn't really given Gil estimates before, but like both estimates were very high. And I feel like both times from just proposing stuff to Gil in the past, like that would never fly with Gil. I'm starting to wonder if it's a tactic of his where he just shoots really high and then it's it like comes down, you know what I mean? And then he's like, he's completely happy with where it comes down to. You know what I mean? I'm starting to wonder yeah. if he's, yeah, that is a pro. It probably is because he's, he's amazing at what he does and he's probably playing chess. I'm thinking checkers <laughs> right now, but yeah, but I digress. So that was a big thing that we needed to do internally. We got some outside help because we have a marketing website right now. We never had any e-commerce requirements. We never had to process any payments online. Gil's vision for this is that you can try it out for 30 days and then you can enter your credit card in if you wanted to buy. And his vision for the future, there is a world where he thinks that somebody will buy a large piece of MarTech, the OS, with a credit card and not having to talk to sales. So that's a completely different muscle and really like technology foundation that you need to put in place. Yeah, absolutely. And all kinds of things that we think about, but we can't, we haven't been able to do yet. You know what I mean? So I have this vision for what I want that experience to be. And it, we're not quite, we're not anywhere close to that, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good V1, I think it's like a solid V1. So for people who are listening and are trying to get internal buy-in at their own companies, and maybe they have the buy-in and they want to get started, what would you tell them about how the soft launch went for us and what you learned, maybe what you uncovered, because we wanted to get some friendlies through the process first before we did a more public launch and then we'll do a larger launch down the line. Yeah, I think you mentioned friendlies. And so we have our community. And one of the nice things was, hey, we can do all kinds of our own internal testing on this thing, but it's not, we're going to miss something. We're going to, we're not going to give completely real world scenarios probably to this thing. And so we did a ton of testing ourselves, but having some people that are willing to test, but also record the entire thing, give you the feedback. And we're offering our beta testers a gift card in exchange for their time because it can be time consuming to record this and give us all that feedback. And I'm going to survey them afterwards. But for me, it was let's what's the right balance between spending a lot of money to make this thing perfect or spending a low amount of money, but not fine line between having something, having an experience that detracts from the brand or having an experience that at least maintains it. You know what I mean? I knew this probably wasn't going to maybe increase the, the affinity of the brand, but let's not mess it up. Let's not, at least let's not trash it. And so that was, that's one of the things thinking about. And I, the jury was out through my own testing, because I know there's places in this thing where I'm just like, this is not a great experience, but making sure to listen to the customers. And if they weren't too offended by it, not offended, it wasn't that, but if they weren't too, it wasn't a big enough, it wasn't too big of an obstacle. They didn't have to go through hoops to get it resolved. Then I was like, okay, let me listen to that feedback and use that as gate before we said, okay, let's open it up to more people. And so that's one of the things we've been doing, honestly, just this week, last week and this week. And that was something that came up when Gil and I were talking about this. I think it was my last one-on-one -on -one with him. And 
I said I was nervous about this because my belief is that in 2023, there are more eyeballs on metadata now than there ever have been before. And that's by way of everything that the company has been doing over the last few years. And we really have, I would say, one chance to provide a decent V1 experience that doesn't push people away. And is it a V1? Yes, but you still need to make sure it's a decent experience. And when Gil said, you know, I've done PLG before at Metadata, and he mentioned that he did it in 2016, I said, Gil, you're right, you definitely did. But also there were significantly fewer eyeballs then. So if you didn't get it right, then not many people noticed it. And if it was a bad experience, it wasn't that big of a deal. So my worry was that we got to at least get this thing to a good enough state where people can see the value, they will tell their friends about it, and they won't judge us for what it looks like. Because the call spade is spade here. I'm not proud of how the e-com page looks. Like it, it's not us. It's it's going to look like you go from a or font. I think one of the <laughs> one of the one of the best B2B software sites that I've come across is our own right now. And then you're going to go to something that looks like a high school web dev project. Like it, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And and, uh, there's also parts that like you have two different accounts. You know what I mean? So like you've got your payment account and it's not linked to your MetaMatch account. And so there's these things that we know are, okay, we're hoping that bringing this to market sooner, you know what I mean? is like the bigger benefit and people will kind of overlook it. I think from some of the early feedback and especially how we're pricing it, I think people are going to be happy. I'm just like happy to be able to get in and use it. And maybe we'll overlook a little bit of the experience and just give us a tip of the hat to, well, thank you just for offering this. See what I mean? Because like we've been wanting to try it out and there's never been really a way to try metadata, any part of metadata out for free. And then definitely not continue to use it on a month to month basis, especially in times like right now when people don't, I don't know what my budget's going to be. I'm planning budget for the next three months. And so I can't sign a year contract on something that's tied to my budget. But I can sign a month to month something and I can definitely put a credit card down. So we've got a lot of hypotheses of how this is going to work, but you never really know until you try it. And so that's really we wanted to get to that. Let's try it as soon as we could. So I think one of the things that I get excited about, and he told me about this and he shared with me that he slacked you about it, was something that KY told you. So with Gil's vision for PLG at Metadata, he talked about how we would be generating product qualified leads for our sales team and they'd be able to follow up with them at some point in time and really convert them to being full base platform customers. And Gil likes big numbers and he talks openly about big numbers. And when he first said this internally, he threw out a crazy big number. And I think the sales team laughed at it, to be honest, because they're like, what? You're telling me that magically that we're going to get hundreds of people signing up for this? Mm -hmm. Like, no way. And we haven't even really done the soft launch of this yet. And KY sent you, I think, a Slack saying, hey, this is pretty awesome. And put his foot in his mouth. Well, yeah, they started to see because we're we send the same closed one alerts to the sales team for these wins as we do for a full platform. So we got to work on that because I was thinking about that this week. It's like we can't be doing that. And then you see it because it's the one point for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it it works, but then also like this is not counting towards our ARR. So whenever I see the close one automated emails that we get, the first thing I look at every single time is ARR. And then I get excited and like, oh shit, 
there's zero oh, ARR yeah. attachments. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can figure out how to do like a daily like summary or something of the PLG ones or something like that. Yeah. But, but yes. Uh, and I can understand why people would be skeptical too. It's something brand new. It's something we've never tried before. But yeah, I mean, I love getting people excited about things. And I think when people start to see like the logos, so that's really, I think what'll be cool is like, they'll see logos that are coming in and they'll just automatically know these are beef. Cause a lot of our leads that come in, sometimes we're trying different industries and things and we're scraping like, is this really even B2B? Are they spending money? But these will be labels that we know they're doing B2B advertising because they wouldn't be using the product if they weren't. And so I think seeing some of those logos and also a lot of the sales reps are going to see people that they've been talking to already convert into this. And again, my hypothesis is like the psychology of it, I think is I'm closer to you as a customer, I guess, or as a vendor, I'm closer to you as a vendor because you've got my credit card, I'm using your product. So if I'm just like a marketing audience to you, I'm maybe not, I don't, maybe don't have as close of a affinity, but now I'm like running stuff through and I'm hopefully having successes and I'm attributing that to using your product. And I just feel like it warms the, I feel like it should warm the customer up more for sales to have a conversation. And I, I, again, hypothesis is they'll be more willing to talk to sales because, oh yeah, you're, are you my account manager? You know what I mean? It's kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, let's sure. Let's talk. And the sales rep has something to talk to them about. Hey, are you having successes? Anything we can do and we can help them internally or and so I, I think it'll be a great way for sales to build relationships, even with their existing accounts, and then to just build that relationship to the point where it looks like you're doing pretty well. Do you want to demo this other thing? And maybe we'll have more success there. But again, trying to come up with different plays, trying to figure out how this is going to work. And we'll do a lot more experimenting on this area, too. One of the things that excites me the most is that because of the brand that we've been building over the last few years, you've got a lot of metadata fans that actually aren't metadata customers. And I think what we're pricing this at is low enough that those people who've loved what we've been doing from a marketing perspective, now will have a realistic opportunity to use a metadata product and get their foot in the door and start using it. And have them openly talk about their experience on LinkedIn and talking about their experience with others in the community. It's like all the dark social shit that people talk about. This is how you create like longtime fans of your company by giving them an entryway into your product suite. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of work to do left, a lot of work left to do. But as we oh, we've out, got the yeah. V1. We're going to be launching this here in the next, what, two-ish hours? We've got a decent V1, but I think the majority of the work is the V2 and the V3 because we, there was a lot of work that went into getting the V1 ready, but we've got to make sure that the V2 is a big step up and every version after that is a big step up too. Yeah, I can see a world where we accidentally wipe out the entire subscription database and have to like go into Salesforce. And I could I could actually see that world just because of how we stitch this thing together. But don't say that. We'll try not to have that happen. But yeah, I mean... What's cool about this is we'll get to prove it out. And if I think probably within a couple of weeks or a month, five weeks or so, because we want to starting with a 30 day free trial. So what we want to do is we want to make sure we're seeing people actually convert to paid before we go too huge with it and call it like a success because you get a lot of people trying it and then stopping. And if you don't have a we're looking for a conversion rate to paid above 50 percent because that's all the benchmarks I see are like if you have an opt out trial, which is when they slap a credit card down. They should be north of 50% and as high as 75%. So we don't see some benchmarks around that. We might have to retrench a little bit and see, okay, what's going on? But one of the things we'll do 
through these first five weeks is we'll survey every single person that signs up and mostly the ones that don't convert to paid and like figure out, okay, what was it? What could we have done differently? How is this not enough value? Like we'll ask all those questions and then we'll see, okay, is this something we need to fix or can we deal with this and can it keep moving forward? I love it. Now we'll have to do another episode. I'd say maybe three-ish months from now on this after we see how well it's been going and what we've learned along the way. But this is something that I know more and more B2B companies will be doing in 2023 and beyond. So I'm excited to keep building in public on this. Yeah, I'm excited. Like this is, I don't, I don't know, out of the last year plus, probably the thing I'm most excited about that I've gotten to work on here. Um, I just see the potential to change our business. We might learn a bunch of things too. What could be interesting is we could learn that a lot of the value of our product is tied up in this part of it. You know what I mean? We could learn that pretty quickly. We don't, sometimes we don't know. And we could learn that it's not, you know what I mean? So there's so many things we can learn too, by again, getting volumes of people through the platform. I think we'll also get a lot of product feedback faster too. And we'll be able to maybe iterate on the product better. But yeah, I envision a world where we've got things stitched into the product experience where we're actually can show them somehow like what the life might be like if they had the other parts of the platform. And there's ways that I'm kind of spinning in my head of how we can really grow this thing. There's just sky's the limit once we start. We're starting from like the basement. We really are. And so there's going to be so many more things we'll be able to do. And so I'm really excited about that too. I love it. All right. I think we're right at time and we actually have to go launch a PLG product that we were talking about on this episode. So we've got some work to do this morning. We'll see you next week on DGU. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of DemandGenU. DemandGenU is brought to you by Metadata, the no BS marketing OS. B2B marketers use Metadata's marketing OS to drive more revenue without all of the manual and repetitive work. From running paid campaigns to personalizing web experiences to optimizing everything to revenue, Metadata automates all of this. This means less time spent on low-value tasks and more time spent on strategy, creativity, and driving revenue.